Mate, did we watch a thing this week? Yeah, we did. Hello, and thank you for joining us here at We Watched a Thing. Another week, another movie. I'm Topher. I'm Billy. And for the first time in bloody ages... I'm Beth. Has it been like 20 episodes or something, Beth? Well, it's good to have you back, buddy. Thanks so much. It's lovely to be back. Back for a movie where, I don't know about you guys, but everyone in my cinema was teary-eyed because it was filled with smoke. Yes. Yes. (laughs) People are probably aware Australia's kind of... On fire? Yeah, for those who don't know, it's burning. It's burning. We've already lost 5 million hectares of land across all seven states and 480 million animals, including one third of the total koala population of New South Wales. That's really sad. Um, the word unprecedented is certainly not unwarranted. Um, it's a... It's a you know, profoundly sad time. You know, I think it's it's relevant for us as Australians, um, but also for this podcast and listeners of the podcast because we love movies so much. I've been to the cinema five times in the last week, partially just in an attempt to get out of the smoke um, with, you know, varying degrees of success because obviously the cinemas are f- filled with smoke as well. Um, but, you know, I think we see cinema you know, as a form both of entertainment and as escape, but those things are both things that aren't available to to thousands of people who've been affected um, and continue to be affected. So if you're a listener um, and you have either contributed to the... um, to you know, fighting the fires or contributed to the to the recovery um, and ongoing efforts, we of course um, extend our deep gratitude and um, and support. And I think Billy has something extra as well to say on that. Yeah, we'll be putting links in the show notes to places where you can donate should you choose to do so to places you know directly to to fireys who are fucking heroes, um, as well as to places like the Red Cross Appeal to help support bushfire victims. And for the next month, we'll be donating all Patreon funds to to that cause as well. So who knows what the future is, but I feel bad for my kids. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, anyway. Yeah, strange as it is, there are more important things than movies, but- <laughs> Stuff that. Let's talk about a movie. <laughs> let's talk about a movie. Let's do that. Let's let's bring let's some cheer. It. What did we watch this week, guys? Heaps of stuff because it was really hot. <laughs> Correct. We all went to the movies a heap. <laughs> Genuinely five. I wasn't kidding. <laughs> How many of us here saw Jumanji Next Level? Was it just, just I Beth did. and I? I, I did not. No. <laughs> I regretted it. <laughs> two, two days ago when, when our city had its hottest day ever. It's always been hot, though. Um, no such thing as climate change. Um, my other half had gone to bed. And I had this fan just blaring at me. And if I was going to have it loud enough that I could hear it, there was no way she was going to be mm. able to sleep. So I was like, okay, I, I, I'm, I'm forced here into watching something with subtitles because <laughs> I just need to be able to read this thing. So, I mean, that, I hadn't watched Crouching Tiger and Yonks. So, good catch up. Good, good movie. Choice. Good movie. Good movie. But this week, we're not talking about Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. We're talking about Little Women. And not the 1994 Little Women. Greta Gerwig's 2019 Little Women, surprisingly enough. <laughs> that would shock you. That would have been a good twist. That would have been, like, written by Emma Thompson. Were known as really great in this, guys. <laughs> um, so, haven't read Little Women, never seen an adaptation. Oh, you never saw the 90s version? No. Nah. Oh. I watched it this very week. I mean, I'd seen it lots, but I was like, you know what? It's been a while. I'm going to catch up on it. It it holds up. It's actually a very good movie. How did you escape that growing up in our household? Our sister know. and I were watching it constantly. Well, yeah, that, um, well that's probably why. <laughs> I was like- <laughs> Ew, I, girls. Yeah, exactly. I'm sure that was it. I'm sure that was it. <laughs> 
So, Little Women 2019 is an American coming-of-age period drama film written and directed by Greta Gerwig. It's the seventh film adaptation of 1868 novel of the same name by Louisa May Alcott, and it stars Saoirse Ronan, Emma Watson, Florence Pugh, Eliza Scanlon, Laura Dern, Timothée Chalamet, (laughs) Tracy Letts, Bob Odenkirk, James Norton, Louis Garrel, Chris Cooper, and Meryl Streep. All right, what's the film about, Toph? Um, It's a... About what centers it centers around Joe, the I thought you were going to tell us it was about Little Women, but <laughs> well, no. <laughs> Best planned podcast ever. the 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 story centers around Joe, one of four girls in a New England family um, during the Civil War. That's it. Good stuff. Nailed it. <laughs> As you, as you mentioned, Billy, written and directed by Greta Gerwig. Yeah. She we love. We love Greta. Every, if you're not on Team Greta, fuck yes, off. <laughs> uh, she was commissioned to write it before she did Lady Bird. I did not know that. And Commissioned to write it? Yeah. By they, the studio who owned the rights? Yeah, they got in contact. There was, I think there'd already been two scripts done that they weren't wild about. Okay. So Gerwig came in, and I think she initially always wanted to direct it, but she hadn't directed at that point. She was like, there's no way they're going to let me do it. Then Ladybird happened. All of a sudden, Greta is the new black, and she's like, "Hey, can I direct this?" And they're like, "Fuck yes, please." <laughs> also, would you like to ca- cast Saoirse Ronan again? Yeah, yeah. given and what we saw again. <laughs> of course, yes. Saoirse came up to Greta and was like, "Just so you know, I'm going to play Joe." And initially, Greta was like, like, she hadn't been thinking about her and wasn't that sold on her. She was like, "All right, okay, well, like I'll think about it." And then she was like, that was a pretty Joe move. <laughs> yeah. So, all right, you do can Do you know be Joe. anyone else who was considered for Joe? I do know that Hermione replaced Emma Stone, who initially was Meg, as Emma Stone replaced Hermione on La La Land. Right. Fun fact. I didn't know either of those facts. No. They're both very fun. <laughs> <laughs> We're a fun show. But now I kind of want to see this movie with Emma Stone in it, I have to say. See, I think- like, is there too much voltage for the character of Meg with Emma Stone? That's I, I suspect there would be. Meg, in a lot of ways, is she's the least integral character to the film, Meg. Of the four little women, I'm, I'm not saying that she deserves to be edited out. I'm just saying of the four little women, she is the least main role. She's the least main role, but she's still important in, in telling one of the sort of story pathways yeah. of women in the 19th century. The only thing I knew about little women going in, really- is that Beth dies. Oh, everybody knows Beth the dies. <laughs> Anyone who's seen Friends know Beth dies. <laughs> yeah. do, you, like, do you have to say spoiler alert for, for a piece of work that's- I don't think you need to say spoiler that's alert as from as a novel women. from 1868. <laughs> Neither do I, but maybe just ruined it for someone. Um, I, 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 when, it, like, when it happened, I was like, I'm like, okay, I'm not- Like, this, this is a bummer, <laughs> but I'm not completely wrecked because I know it's coming. Yeah. Yeah. I did wonder, though, I was like- what if I didn't know? Because undoubtedly I'd have been thinking, you know, Joe's taken her to the sea. It's oh, all going to yeah, be okay. Fine, it's yeah. all going to be okay. Mm. Nope. So going in blind as you did, I just want to start with your initial thoughts. Because we we had a brief conversation last week where what we'd heard is that for people who weren't familiar with the source material, they may find it confusing, for example. What are your thoughts on the movie? Uh, I really enjoyed it. I didn't find it convoluted or hard to follow there was there was one scene i must say where it was an amy scene where i'd been thinking it was a a young amy scene yeah and it wasn't until meryl streep 
Aunt March said something that I was like, oh, wait, we're here. Because I thought that Pew just looked very young Amy yeah. in the scene. I know the same scene you're talking about. And that was the, the, yes, I think that was the big issue for me. I certainly didn't find it, like you said, convoluted. I personally don't love the framing choice of the nonlinear timeline. Um, but, I mean, you can't be uh, like Greta Gerwig and this cast. It's a fun watch. <laughs> I quite liked the editing choice. I, again, had been warned about the fact that some people who hadn't seen it before and weren't familiar with the story might be quite uh, perturbed by what was going on and where they were up to in the timeline. But I think it's a it's an interesting choice in that this one, more so I think than the 90s version, is is even further into this is Joe's story as opposed to this is Big a story time, about four sisters and Joe is the main sister. Um, and I think it was a useful framing device from that perspective. And I feel like you learned more about her um, having first, you sort of see initial uh, scenes of her um, and form an initial judgment about her, you know, when she's yelling at Friedrich um, about why she's made the choices she's made about the short story she's submitting. Um, And, you know, I think a lot of uh, people watching it might look at particularly a woman behaving like that and saying she's being shrill, she's being, you know, mean, she asked him for his opinion and he's giving it to her, blah, blah, blah. Um, But when you go back, the movie kind of forces you to watch um, what it took for her to get to that point and you learn more from watching, you know, how she has to have these daily fights and losses and compromises and sacrifices and what it takes to be a feminist with conviction every single day and why she ended up being at that point. And I think it's movies are interesting when they sort of you make a snap judgment about someone or something and then it kind of unravels that as the as the movie goes on. So I kind of I found it quite interesting. I liked it. Yeah, it's funny. As someone who's read the book and seen the the film numerous times, I I actually didn't like the choice because I found the opposite of that. I found that even though we are spending more time with these characters and mm. across a greater timeline, I feel like we actually got less development by doing that. So, for example, particularly with the relationships that are formed, Mm. uh, I didn't find any of the romances believable at all. I felt there was very little chemistry or development there. Even though, for example, you look at Amy and Laurie, Mm. we saw so much of them together in this film as compared to the 94 one where it's randomly like, oh, Amy married Laurie. Yeah. (laughs) And yet somehow I didn't feel... I didn't feel them growing together. It, to me, it felt like it was out of circumstances. I didn't believe their love at all. And it's the same with with Joe and, and Friedrich, which, again, I think in this version, that is supposed to be secondary to her love of writing. Yes. But it feels very secondary. And I'm glad of the choice they made at the end to the little kind of meta twist they did where, where you're actually left wondering, so did she marry him or is that just mm, what she's writing? Yes. I'm glad they did that because without that, I would not have believed, like, why would she marry him? There's no there's no relationship between the two of them. We haven't seen anything build between them, so yeah. why? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I agree with you. I actually really liked that. Did she marry him in the book? Yeah. Or did she marry him? I really liked that. Personally, I think he got on the train. Yeah. Because <laughs> just Cause go away. Nothing, there's just nothing go away. there in this um, film. <laughs> I did like, without having seen another version or, or read it, I like the the- the framing device and the editing of it, because if I want if I want to see the linear tale of it, I can do that. Yeah, yeah and that's a great. There's point. no there's no particular. I mean, granted, okay, at this point it has been a quarter of a century, <laughs> but there's not a raging need necessarily to just make 
another basically 94 version. Mm. Like, if you're going to do it, yeah. okay, what are you bringing to yeah. it? Or I'll, you could just read yeah. the book. Yeah, I'll yeah. agree with that. It's like a cover version of a song. If you're just going to play the song exactly as it was written, what's the point? Make it your own, make it different. And, I'll, yeah, I'll agree 100%. I appreciated that. And Greta Gerwig's direction is beautiful. Yeah. Jeez, it's good. Yeah. And I it was this, I was a bit the same as you, Billy. I got to the end and thought, oh, I wasn't really – I wasn't convinced necessarily by um, – Joe and Friedrich's relationship. Until then, yes, I thought actually it's probably a very intentional choice in that the relationships are totally secondary to the main the, the stories and the characters yeah. of these women. Um, I think it was also unfortunate that I'd only just seen Portrait of a Lady on Fire, and if you haven't seen it, dear God, please go and see it. Jesus, good. Oh, but the it, it, even even very early in that film before you've had much time with the characters and you don't have much time with Joe and Friedrich together in Little Women. But in Portrait of a Lady on Fire, the two central characters have established a very um, – they've established a profound and believable connection very early on. But that movie is a love story and this is not. So, yeah, I think I was I was okay at the end with not being convinced, although I yeah. did think the, the chemistry between both Joe and Laurie and Amy and Laurie was totally – I was totally convinced by it. To me, that's the chemistry of the actors. I think Florence sure. Pugh is a revelation. Oh. Like, she is amazing in everything she does, and she was the standout in this film for me. And Timothy Chalamet was brilliant. But in the writing of their relationship, I just didn't feel it, mm. particularly between Amy and Laurie, who are supposed to- it, it, I know you say it's not a love story, but you only need to look at the 94 one and the novel to go, well, it is a love story. This version of it isn't, and that's cool, and I appreciate that it's different. But to some extent, it's like, well, why why spend so much time on that relationship then if I'm not feeling the chemistry build between them? It's it's a bit of a cheat casting Timothy Chalamet because we all want to marry Timothy Chalamet. <laughs> yeah, people, people who aren't into movies and don't know who Timothy Chalamet is, they still want to marry Timothy yeah. Chalamet. And Florence Pugh. They also want to marry Florence Pugh. So them two ending up together is like, heck yeah. I it's thought like one butter of, and bread. I thought one of the best acted scenes actually in the whole movie was where he says to her, don't marry Fred. And she's so mad at him and says, you are being, how, how, how simple is the dialogue? You are being mean. But the yeah. way she delivers it is so perfect. And the way she, you know, sort of huffs off without this kind of, you know, uh, petulant tantrum, you know, yeah. type thing coming through. It's not like that. She is she is genuinely saying to him, you are being a dick um, I've and I've been in love with you my whole, my whole life, life and yeah. this is the cruelest thing you could possibly do. And I, oh, the way Florence Pugh acted in that scene, I think, was honestly very, very good. Am I right in thinking that this is the first time for a lot of people that Amy's been a relatable character? Yes. Mostly she was just the brat? Yes, so, definitely in the 90s version. So, um, Tova's and my sister um, has always been an Amy sympathiser and she has gotten a lot of shit from people over the years <laughs> for that. Um, but this movie, I think, honestly, in this movie you see Joe and Amy almost being two sides of the same coin. They yeah. are they are um, equally as passionate. Um, one is they are also equally pragmatic about the things they want, um, which obviously manifests in different ways. Um, but Amy is, is totally, totally a revelation in this movie and is portrayed in a much more nuanced and interesting way. She is, yeah. And uh, I think the issue for me with the scene you're talking about between her and Timothy Chalamet where she says you're being mean, I didn't, I didn't feel the point where it came back from that. 
Okay. Like, so when she says, I've been in love with you my whole life, for a second there you go, have you? And it's at that point they cut back to a scene of her, you know, cementing her foot. You know, <laughs> brilliant. That was one of Which the is best gr- scenes. But my issue before that, there was no indication that she'd loved him her whole life until she said that line. And you're left there going, really? And then after that, there's no comeback from there's no turnaround where you go, oh, okay, they do truly love each other and then you you end up feeling like Okay, she is second best to Joe and he's kind of just going with it and she's decided to go along with it. I never felt the love. That's so interesting. I felt totally differently and I also thought him not knowing that she was in love and us not knowing that she was in love with him is also still quite true to life and true to what, you know, people's experiences can be. Mm. Um, And so we almost, if you haven't seen it before, we almost learn about her love for him at the same time as he does, which I think is kind of quite interesting. Mm. Really smart and interesting choice to, because the movie is set over quite a long period of time. Mm. It's interesting to see Florence Pugh playing basically a twelve-year-old girl, and she does it really, really fucking. It's because well. she's got the bangs. So can, it is. It's the bangs. <laughs> can I? I'm. I'm actually still unclear on this. Who's the youngest daughter? Amy. Amy. Okay. Amy is the youngest. So she's I, meant to be like twelve. Yeah. Maybe. So I. I think I saw. I must have seen something about that after I saw the film because. Throughout the entire runtime of the film, and probably because Eliza Scanlon is younger, so she's supposed to be the eldest. Pugh, yeah, I was like, I, I was just like, Beth's the youngest. No, so it goes Amy, Beth, Joe. Yeah, Meg. but throughout the yeah. entire film, I took it as Beth the youngest. See, so okay. in the nineties one, they do a really strange thing in that Amy is the only one who is recast. Which is really strange. So, Amy's character ends up aging like 20 years by the end of the film. <laughs> and the rest of them are still played by like Winona and Claire Danes who end up looking far younger than Amy by so the end. So, is Kirsten Dunst young? She's young Amy. Right. So, she's mm. only Amy for maybe the first 45 minutes of yep. the film. And then there are two other Amys as she ages. Two others? Yeah. Right. <laughs> so, they age her kind of- to middle teen age yeah. and then they age her to adulthood again. <laughs> right. So, But it was a great choice to just keep the same actresses the whole way. And yeah. Florence Pugh pulled it off so well. She did. You could tell when she was young Amy and when she was old Amy. Absolutely. It was just amazing. I was listening to something on Godfather Part 2 recently where they talk about how stunning Pacino's work is in the one scene in that film that is set pre-Godfather. And you just like you look at him once, and you're like, "That's Michael from Godfather One," and it's it is it's incredible. And Florence Pugh has to do it over and over and yeah. over again in this film. And like I said, there was only one time where I didn't just immediate where I didn't know. Um, yeah, this just out. Florence Pugh's good. Yeah, <laughs> it's some, some really smart cinematography and blocking choices too. There's often times where like when they're younger, when they're all together. She, for example, will be sitting while the rest are standing. They never, they don't like put her on her knees so that she looks, you know, Small. like a twelve-year-old, <laughs> like force perspective hobbit. But they they do some really clever blocking where it's it's always quite obvious that she is far younger than the rest of them. I think mm. Gerwig's Gerwig's direction of the scenes, particularly when when they're younger and all together, where she clearly encouraged them. Yes, you've all got lines, but do not wait. For mm. the last person to finish before you start, your four sisters under one roof. That's not how it would be. Yeah. Just talk the fuck over each other. And it's so good. Like, you line up those four actresses. They don't look like sisters. No. But the dynamic between them, you just buy. Yes. Yeah. 
Especially, I think, in that plaster foot scene, <laughs> yeah. which is so, I think, one of the best scenes in the movie. When Saoirse just loses oh, it, it's the best. It's so good. And it's very, I think, the warmth of the house of the women versus the sort of um, relative, you know, coldness of the house of the men is very also, I would imagine, quite a deliberate choice. And it's good because that sort of, you know, talking over the top of one another, being, you know, having these sort of raucous scenes, um, I think is really good because it sort of shows this part again in this book, which which I imagine during the 19th century it, it, it did when few others were doing, because it sort of gave girls to be permission, sorry, to be kind of, you know, silly and dirty and naughty and have jokes and, and carry about. And this is what it can look like when they're allowed to do that and when people get an insight into that, but it, it's rarely something that's seen. And I think particularly when Amy has been sort of whipped at school and she's standing outside the window um, and then gets let in and, and the guys, Mr Brooks and whatnot, take care of her and the girls come over and the whole place is again filled with sort of warmth and laughter and chatter. And as soon as all the girls exit, it's all just quiet and slightly cool or cold mm. again. I, and I think that, like, the juxtaposition of the two households I found was quite interesting from a gender perspective. I actually disagree. Mm. I feel like you got that juxtaposition the very first scene you f- saw that household. You saw the girls having their Christmas breakfast and then you saw the Lawrence house having Christmas breakfast. And at that point, there was a very clear juxtaposition. You know, he, Mr. Mr. Lawrence was quite, like you said, cold and he was like, oh, you know, maybe you can teach my son some manners. Mm. It seemed like it was quite a strict household. After that, everything really loosened up. As soon as Laurie was friends with the little women, that house never looked cold again. And I feel like that, for me, didn't quite work because from that point on, he was this lovable old man. He gave Beth the piano almost instantly. You never saw him being cold again after that Christmas breakfast. Yeah, I don't necessarily mean their characters are cold, but just that the sort of the physical environment felt quite hollow. But then I think the whole part of the point, I think, is that once they sort of start to let these women come into their lives, it it does become less and less. That's Mm. what happens. Their sort of warmth and their light starts to eke into the ecosystem and sort of, you know, fill it up a little bit. Um, but yeah, that was a. I thought that was an interesting choice that I think is not reflected so much in the '90s version. Uh, yeah, definitely yeah. not. Yeah, you mentioned it was. It was mentioned earlier that the fact that this film leans more on Joe than the family as a whole, particularly with how it decides to frame the film around the kind of make believe real book. Yeah, like yeah, that that makes total sense. The one there's one section of the film where. I think it slightly works against it because it has been operating as this is Joe's story with a really strong and involved supporting cast mm. as opposed to just a total ensemble piece. There's a section in the film where we kind of lose Joe for a while and it's probably when there's a lot of Amy and Laurie stuff going on. Mm. And like I didn't actually think about it that much while it was happening. I wasn't like, where's Joe, where's Joe? But then when we finally came back to Joe, that was when I went- Oh, wow. I feel like I've been away from the main character for too long. Yeah. It's a minor quibble, but there was this one point in the film where I was like, Joe, who is our through line? I felt like we just lost her for a little bit in the film. You know who we haven't spoken about casting-wise yet who I'd really love to is Laura Dern? Because she melted my heart. (laughs) I cried four times in this film. Three of them are because of Laura Dern. Yeah, I think the 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 brilliance of of Dern is that she's perfectly pictures this sort of 
as almost like what I was saying with Meg before, is this other female story that's not central but still sort of reflects this kind of simmering anger and constriction of what women still feel now but certainly in the 19th century. Mm. And it's not overcooked, um, it's not ham-fisted because the the script and the dialogue is so good but also because it was given to Laura Dern who is like a queen amongst women and could just yeah. do with it exactly what needed to be done. Yeah, this will feed into... Because I fully expect that Dern is winning Best Sporting Actress for Marriage, for marriage Story. story. Yep. But, and going into this, I was like, yes, she's going to get handed a, an Oscar for Marriage Story, but in brackets, it should say Big Little Lies. <laughs> now I'm like, okay, it needs to be expanded to yes. you're winning an Oscar. You're, like, you're winning an Oscar for 2019. Yeah. Yep. Because yep. Laura Dern won 2019. Yeah. Can I bring up the one bit of casting in the film that I did not like in any way? Oh, I wonder if we'll agree. Bob Odenkirk. Oh, no, I didn't care about him. It, but that's the problem. You don't care about him. I think that's the point, though. You're not meant to care about why him. Why Bob Odenkirk then? Because he, why have Sol up there who is so eye-catching and your mind is drawn to him when he just sits in the background? Like, why? It, I, I just, it didn't work for me at all. He was distracting. So, I'd heard this from someone else that Bob Odenkirk came in and they were just like, oh, wow, Bob Odenkirk's here. So, I was expecting it to happen and then he, he rolled in and I was like, no, I'm into Mr. March. Really? Yeah. I really liked him. I just found him distracting. Maybe maybe that's part of the point. Like, you've got Bob Odenkirk and you're like, this is who we got. But actually, not about you, old white dude. <laughs> 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 God, 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 shut up. <laughs> so, so, who's yours then? Mine, in book one, Harry would have died without Hermione, as we know. So, look, I don't have a problem. I really like Emma Watson. What? She is older. She's like four or five years older than Saoirse Ronan in real life. I didn't I didn't buy that she was older and yeah. that became a slight – and particularly because she's the only one as well without blonde hair. The fact that the age didn't quite work and something about the visual also slightly set her apart from the other sisters, something about – I mean, it was fine, um, but I, I was distracted by the fact that I couldn't see the kind of – the link – yeah, I don't know if this bothered anyone else too, but she was also the only one whose accent slipped a couple of times. Like Sersha is a gun. Oh, there was no, there was one scene where Sersha was really Irish, <laughs> I, I, like ge- like genuinely. I mean, I know, I know you're from New England, <laughs> but with Emma, there- <laughs> with Emma Watson, it happened a couple of times for me, and yeah, I I just don't think she's that strong an actress. I reality. really liked Emma Watson in it. Right, um, so I, did my wife. I mean, I really liked. I really liked everyone. Yes. And, like, they just casted the shit out of this film. We haven't even spoken about Meryl Streep. Meryl, Meryl Streep. Streep. We haven't even spoken about her. That's how good the casting is. You're not uh, even immediately thinking about Meryl Streep. Guys, I'm going to be- Really? No. No, 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 Please, please. <laughs> I'm going to be the contrarian here. Just think of it. I want you to think about what you're about to say, Billy. <laughs> Meryl is an amazing actress and has been amazing in the past. Famously. <laughs> what I have seen her in in the last number of years, this included- I'm not the biggest fan. The last thing I saw her in before this was Mary Poppins Returns, which I didn't like. I also was not the hugest fan of this. I warmed to her, but I Meryl is really young at heart still, and I don't think she naturally plays very well, this old stern lady. I am loving old stern Meryl. I, it just didn't land for me because she's too naturally warm. And I didn't buy that she was this really? cogity old mean lady. I, I, it just didn't work for me. The, the point specifically where she was saying that Laura Dern, she was like, you have no idea. You know, I think she's what, having what fun it is doing for your it. your mother to live. 
Oh, oh God. I I'm- think she's having fun doing it, and that comes across to me. I feel like she's enjoying herself playing this role, but I didn't find it believable. Billy hates Meryl Streep. That's going on the website. That's what I heard. <laughs> See, I think, I think people – this is a massive generalisation, not at you, Billy. I think there is a bit of a thing at the moment of that we might be taking Meryl for granted. Like, I remember when she was nominated for The Post and we were like, oh, okay, of course you've got to nominate oh, I didn't Meryl. see The Post. I was like, but- if you watched The Post and were paying any attention, you have to nominate Meryl. Mm. Because even if it's Agreed. not, like, one of her top five performances, Meryl's 50th best performance is yeah. still one of the five best performances no, look, of a given like- year. Can we talk about the score by Desplat? I don't think it's Desplat's strongest. Nope. No, to it's me, not. it's a little bit like- And that's Hans- a high bar. That's a high bar. Yeah. To me, it's a little bit like when Hans Zimmer did The Holiday. Where it's like, okay, sure, we've got Hans Zimmer here, but he's it's it's kind of just your standard Hallmark movie soundtrack. It didn't yep. lift to anything Agreed. new to me, which is disappointing because I love Desplat. Yeah, and I'm gonna I am gonna go on a bit of a tangent here. Okay, so Ronan did get nominated for the Globes for whatever best best actress. He is the only other person who got nominated, I think, for the movie. So he he has been nominated for best. Score That's wrong. for That's a score wrong. that is, in my opinion, largely forgettable. And it's interesting that it has happened for a movie that really is about the fact that women have to conform to this sort of male set standard of what's interesting and, you know, what is perfect to be valid and to be heard, particularly if you're creative. You know, Joe's a writer, Amy's a painter, Beth's the pianist, Meg's the actress. And yet, the, in this sort of weird meta replication, the Hollywood has been the, the fat idiot sitting behind the publisher's desk saying to Joe, you can't do this. And the Globes have just fantastically <laughs> taken on. It is the Globes. And yeah. like, it's the Globes. It's the Globes. But, you know, the only, the, the, the movies that got, that got nominated in the, char- in, this, in the sort of category, sorry, that this movie would have been nominated for are all directed by men. With the exception of Marriage Story, they all focus wholly on the stories of men. Um, and and it's just this, I mean, it would be funny if it weren't so fucking frustrating. Um, but I just, when I got to the fact that he had been nominated for score, I was like, sorry, this is, it, it's not for my, it's for me, it's not deserved. Yeah. And the fact that it is granted in a year in which Gerwig has not been recognised by the Globes in this case is fanciful and disgusting. There were alarm bells going off in the, when, when they do screenings for people who are from, bodies such as the academy just general voting bodies and as much as the academy for instance is shifting to the you know hashtag new academy that's still a long way off really happening the the biggest voting block in any of these organizations is old white dudes mm. and in the screenings that were being put on in december for little women where the invitees the clear majority is men the audiences that showed up were two to one women. Mm. So even before nominations had been announced for a lot of awards, people were like, I think we know where this is going. <laughs> I saw that, um, you know, about basically the, 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 the profound lack of women, particularly represented at um, award ceremonies, that Paramount has not produced a female-led movie in the past five years. Wow. <laughs> and- like they, they, like that's in a time period in which they made Transformers the last night. <laughs> this is the threshold, apparently. Um, women cannot reach. Uh, <laughs> anyway, back to Billy's point the score, 
forgettable. It's, yeah, it's t- entirely forgettable. I which thought is, about you, actually. Yeah, it just didn't really do, do anything for me at all. It just felt bland and comfortable and like a Hallmark movie. Like, there's no need for Desplat to have done this. This could have been done by Topher. Like, I don't- It didn't even sound like a live orchestra to me. It sounded very synthed, which I think is the wrong choice, but just didn't do it for me. Can I just say I'm happy that- I never had to go to the beach dressed like I was going to high tea. <laughs> that's that's not how you do it. You've never had to go to the beach in your knickerbockers, mate. They're, they're doing it wrong. <laughs> Speaking of the beach, though, one of my favourite, one of, I think, the most beautiful shots from the movie is on the beach. So, what do you guys, what were your feelings about the cinematography? It does a great job of the, just infusing the image with the warmth of the family. Mm. Um, particularly, like, in those scenes in the house- the look of the film, I think, really just perfectly reflects the tone that Gerwig's going for. <laughs> I heard an, an interview with Gerwig recently where she was talking about scenes that they were shooting that were that were in spring. In well, they're meant to be in spring, but they're filming in winter. Mm. Um, and I'm fairly certain they were filming in New England. Um, and so she's just yelling out to the cast, "All right, get rid of those layers. It's spring, y'all." <laughs> <laughs> The way the way she said it, I was just like, like, could you want more badly than want to be friends with Greta Gerwig? <laughs> and, she, and isn't she with Noah Baumbach? Like the yeah. two of them are just like well, yeah, disgusting so, celebrity crush. So for, oh. Like she was there for all of the making of Marriage Story and he was there for all of the making of Little Women. The whole year was just Gerwig, Bombach, and Laura Dern. And Dern. <laughs> just just winning at 2019. Oh, I want to be their friends so badly. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, if I'm ever dying, don't take me to the if. beach because sand is coarse and it gets everywhere. <laughs> and when I was watching that scene, I was like, I think that was shot in winter. <laughs> I was it looked look- like it. Yeah, I was yeah, looking at- That was so clearly winter. At Saoirse and Scanlon just going- I, I think you really want to have more layers on than you do. Well, that's the thing. She's meant to have scarlet fever. She's meant to be burning up and she looked freezing. <laughs> Poor girl. <laughs> that was one of my favourite shots, actually, where where Joe says to her, you know, I'll push back the tide and I will stop it. You know, I stopped it once before. I think that was the first time I cried, Billy. Um, but then there's the there's just a, a still shot of the two of them sitting on the beach um, sort of embracing and it just lingers on them for the perfect period of time. And, geez, it was a beautiful shot. You could just frame it. So how are we scoring this, guys? Toph, Beth? Nine out of ten. It's very high. It's it's also incredibly hard for me. Like people think Topher's a Grinch about ratings. Yeah. It runs in the family. Um, yeah, if you if you scroll through my IMDb ratings, um, the the nines are very few and far between. I've been back and forth between a seven and an eight since I saw it. Like, did I did I really like it, or did I think it was really like really genuinely quite something into that eight category? He's going to go with seven, guys. I could see it on his face. Yeah, right. I'll go with seven. Ah! Yeah. <laughs> I, I swear to God, if you rate this lower than John Carter, I'm never I, coming I, back. I much like Toph was between, but I was between a six and a seven. I've landed on a seven. But to me, there the thing about this film is there are moments of it that work so well. The cast is brilliant. Like, brilliant is the only word for it. The direction is brilliant. There are moments of dialogue that are brilliant, but to me, the dialogue is far better than the screenplay. I don't like the structure. I think there are things that fall down. And while there are some really beautiful lines and stuff like we've mentioned, overall, I don't think it is that strong. I've remembered what my deciding factor was. 
It was mm. because two days before I saw Little Women, I saw a portrait of a lady on fire mm. and was mm. deciding between an eight and a nine yes. and fell on an eight. Yeah. And then I was like, I don't know if, if this week I can give these two films because I like Portrait of a Lady on fire more. I well, think it's, I think it's, it's, God, it's really it's very Here's good. the thing. I probably won't rush to watch this again. And even if I was in the mood for Little Women, I think I would probably watch the 94 before this again. You know, so I just, I, I can't go higher than a seven. I, I think it's great, and I'd recommend. Well, you don't think it's great? I'd recommend it, but it's, yeah, you know. Let's be clear: we're standing in a room with three people who are positive on the film, and uh, like my seven, like for you, seven is a great score. So it is. Yes. It's very high above average. It's yeah. a significantly above average film. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Cool. Good fun. Yeah, thanks for having me back. Well, thanks thanks all for- we can get back to dad movies next week. <laughs> what are we watching next week? 1917. Yes, uh. we are. I'm curious to see this. Where, where do you think it's going? Did you see the reports come out that the scores are as high as um, Saving Private Ryan? Well, I'm not surprised because three quarters of Saving Private Ryan is merely good. Well, can I make a confession? I haven't seen Saving Private Ryan. <laughs> I'd love to be shocked. <laughs> I've, I've seen the opening scene. I haven't seen the movie. The opening scene, no, that's like 40 minutes I don't know what I mean. It's too long. Why am I going to watch the whole thing? Um, I'm not expecting to like 1917 because I don't like war movies. I don't I don't no, like movies do, about- This does not seem like your film then. Um, yeah, <laughs> I, I'm not expecting to like it. I've liked very few. I liked Hacksaw Ridge. And that Axel was, Ridge was so average. Uh, it's but it's barely a war movie. It's it's a personal great. story, and that's the kind of thing I like. So I'm really curious to see. I'm expecting the cinematography to be amazing. Well, that's like the absolute worst that 1917 yeah. can be is just sitting there for two hours, going, "Wow, oh, it's not just two looking hours at it." Long, is well, it? I, no, I don't know how long it is. I also got to see the gentleman, which was really fun. If you're into Richie movies, um, would always we say, a fun time in a cinema. A return, would we say return to form? Um, what was his last one again? Well, they've mostly been crap lately. Wasn't his last one some absolute train wreck of a King Arthur type thing? Yeah, last one he did was King Arthur, and he's also done the Sherlock Holmeses lately, which- Were okay. Yeah, they were fine. But they're not like Lockstock or Snatch. No. no. I mean, it's very, it's very quite, fun. I, I watched both Lockstock and Snatch in the past 12 months. Look, totally enjoyable. Not as good as They're not as good remember. as we remember them. Mm. Yeah. Like, there's, look, there's still a lot of fun to watch, yeah. but they're not like- yeah, there are like there are editing problems, I think, and there's bits of the storyline that are, you know, there are parts of the uh, storyline that were flawed, shall we say? Um, and I think there were things that should have been edited out. But it was funny. I laughed a lot. People say with lots of enthusiasm. Uh, so you know, why not get along? Corin Farrell wears a you know matching velour suit. So. <laughs> So thank you very much for listening. Again, I'll put links in the show notes for places that you can donate. And in the meantime, if you want to get in touch with us, you can do that at wewatchthething.com or wewatchthething at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, all under the handle at wewatchthething. And if you want to help support the show, you can make us watch something. You can get early access to episodes, bonus content, all that kind of stuff. You can do that at patreon.com forward slash wewatchthething. Speaking of making us watch stuff. Oh, shit, you have that- competition winners. Yeah. That Daniel guy from the Movie Journey podcast, he's making us watch something, isn't he? He is. He sent us an, He decided to send his in as an audio clip. He's a, he's a podcaster. Are we ready for this? Yeah. I'm, I, I'm really worried that I know what it is. Okay. I, like, I legitimately have not listened to this. I don't know what's coming. I'm, I'm, I'm worried we're going to have to go see We Cats, might mate. make Beth watch it as well if it's really bad. <laughs> if, it's Cat, if it's Cats, you have to come. If it's Cats, you have to come. I'll get drunk before then. <laughs> right. Let's listen.
G'day, B Dizzle and Toph. It's Hendo here from the Movie Journey podcast. First off, a big pat on the back to myself for winning the random draw competition. It was uh, all skill, no luck required whatsoever. Second of all, big thank you to the both of you guys for the awesome show you put on every week. Even though you criminally underrate a lot of my personal favourites, I'd still love to hear your thoughts week in and week out. Meow, I have a movie to pick for you to review on a future episode. And my first thought was, Meow, what film is going to get the boys to throw the biggest hissy fit at? Which one has the biggest chance of them pussing out of basically coughing up a hairball in disgust and wasting their nine lives on? And uh, one film came to mind. You knew it. You were dreading it. It's Cats. (laughs) What a riveting review that would be. But then I realised that's too obvious. I don't want to waste this one opportunity on a film I'm pretty sure I know what your thoughts will be on. So I decided not to choose that. I know what you're thinking, and you're welcome. Now, for my actual choice, one thing I like to throw at Dean sometimes is the occasional obscure foreign film, and that's where I'm leaning for you guys as well. So I've gone with the Thai film from 2017 called Bad Genius. Hopefully you haven't seen it yet, and uh, hopefully you bloody love it like I do. Cheers, guys, and thanks again. I know nothing about Bad Genius. I've never heard of it. But it's on the schedule. I mean, it has to be. We want a competition. <laughs> yep. That's the rules. That's how it works. <laughs> All right. Well, I guess I guess look forward to that in the coming weeks. Thanks for that, Hendo. And you should definitely check out the Movie Journey podcast as well if you haven't already. All right. Catch you next week. It's us done. Go watch a movie. Bye. Not that menstruation is anything to be ashamed of. And you can put that in as post-credit if you want.